Thank you for listening to the Sooner Schooner Show, a proud member of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Do me a huge favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Let us know how we can improve. And, hey, if you give us some constructive feedback, we'll do our best to please you. Coming up on this week's episode, I'll tell you why I hope Jackson Arnold sparks a recruiting revolution at OU. And even though the state of Sooner Hoops isn't so good, thank God Porter Moser isn't Nate Oates. But we start this week's episode off by doing something we wouldn't normally do here on the Sooner Schooner Show, and that is praise Texas and Chris Del Conte. Okay, if we're being 100% honest, there is a debt of gratitude I feel like we do owe Chris Del Conte and Texas for helping OU move out of the dreadful Big 12 into the Southeastern Conference. But at a certain point, our gratitude for Texas has to stop because let's face it, they're Texas and they suck. But where Chris Del Conte is making some major brownie points with OU fans is this. He is willing to go to the Southeastern Conference and let them know that the OU-UT game needs to be moved out of the 11 o'clock kickoff spot into the 2.30 time slot. Now, this was confirmed by Chip Brown of 24-7 Sports, who sent out a tweet a couple of days ago on this. And I don't think anybody listening to my show at that time or anybody that responded to me as I was talking about this could have been any happier. Because you know and I know, OU Texas done right means you're going to have a hangover on Saturday morning. You get, the, you get the day off school. Well, at least if you go to OU, you get the day off school. Now, if you work, you work. But you make all your plans to make the trip down to Texas. You're going to party Saturday night in Dallas. And getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning, when you want to pound Bloody Marys, when you want to find food to just put in your stomach or drink a gallon of coffee, you get up before the sun comes up. It is really not conducive to curing that pounding headache that you've got from downing, well, in my case, it was downing a lot of Jack Daniels while I was in college. Who knows what your drink of choice is? Whatever it is, be safe, be responsible. But that next morning was just awful. And to do it at 11, for as many times as the Big 12, ESPN, and Fox have forced OU and Texas fans to do it, is just sadistic. It's cruelty on their part to ask you to deal with, one, traffic. Dallas traffic is awful. Getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to fight that traffic, not good. Then you got to find the parking spot. You got to pay. And getting into the Cotton Bowl is an is maybe the most absolute asinine thing that, that I have ever had to do in my life. I mean, I have been through... I have been through airport security checks that aren't as rigorous as going through the Cotton Bowl and certainly not as time-consuming as getting in the gates of the Cotton Bowl. And all that probably eats up a good two and a half to three hours, so you barely have any time to go buy the coupons, down some fried butter, drink some cheap-ass, well, overly-priced cheap-ass beer, give the finger to the Texas bus, and tell some sip how much he and his team both suck. Okay, the 11 o'clock kickoff time doesn't give you any opportunity to do that. Now, Chris Del Conte, well, 
Joe Castiglione has always stood, understood that. Bill Connie's always understood that. But they were both told by the networks and by the league because that was a prime time slot. We want to put the OU Texas game there because it's one of our featured games throughout the season. The SEC is going to be a hell of a lot more understanding of that. And maybe you could even move it into a little bit of a later time slot. Doing it at night, not a good time for that area of Dallas. I don't think anybody wants to be in Fair Park that late at night. And if you're going to do that, you might as well move it to Jerry World. But at least we're making progress. And I kind of feel like we're getting, like OU and Texas are getting their just due from the league. I don't feel like the league, the Big 12, has treated OU particularly well over the last few years. In fact, it's felt like OU has been the scourge of the Big 12 because they've pushed progress along. I mean, they were with Texas when Texas wanted to move to the Pac-12. And now granted, they were going to take OSU and Tech and some others with them on that trip. But it feels like ever since then, people blamed OU. Oh, yeah. And there was that time that David Boren did ask the committee, ask a committee at OU or the Board of Regents to fill out the Pac-12 to see if they still might be interested in Oklahoma. Pac-12 said no. OU got embarrassed. And, well, there was, you know, there's a lot of hard feelings over that. But I say all that to say this. You're still going to be in the Cotton Bowl. For those of you that are worried about tradition, you're still going to be in the Cotton Bowl. So that's that's not a bad thing. Personally, I want this game moved to AT&T Stadium. And the sooner it can get there, the better. But I'm also coming from a perspective of wanting my creature comforts, not wanting to have to sit out in the sun, not wanting to have to, to wait that long to get through the gates because at AT&T Stadium, they're way more efficient. Um, not wanting to have to buy coupons for beer and or a brisket sandwich. It's it's much it's a much easier transition transaction at AT&T Stadium and the traffic. The the traffic, it's not that it's non existent in that part of Arlington. It's just not as bad as it is that part in Dallas. And because you have people who direct traffic at Cowboys and Rangers games, they can get you in and out a hell of a lot faster. And I always thought that the older you got, the more willing you would be you would want it you would be for it to move to a venue like that. And the younger you were, you wanted to be caught in the cotton bowl amongst the hoopla, yelling at Texas fans, um, you know, pounding on the bus, doing all that stuff. I figured as you got older, you grew out of it. But talking to fans, which which is what I do a lot of. No, a lot of the older people. Now they're they're all down with it. And, and and tradition, so much of this game is rooted in tradition. And it is the most unique game that we have in college football. I mean, let's face it, right now, it's the best rivalry in college football. In the 80s, I if it was 1988, I'd have argued with you all day that it's OU and Nebraska. And I still feel like in a lot of ways, OU Nebraska was more meaningful growing up than OU Texas. But that rivalry faded once the Big 12 came in and Texas went to the north and, and OU to the south and the rest is history. But but OU Texas, I mean, the Cotton Bowl was the backdrop. You're playing in a historic stadium, even though it's antiquated, and eventually you'll have to move on from the Cotton Bowl. The uniqueness of the State Fair 
all gives you something that you just don't get anywhere else in cotton foot or in college football. And with the SEC, who loves to brag about their rivalries, who loves the Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, you know, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, LSU, Alabama. As much as they love to brag about those rivalries, OU Texas has them all beat because OU Texas not only has the location, you've got two historical schools, and I don't know of any two fan bases that hate each other more than OU Texas, and you can cram them into the same stadium and split it 50-50. And you sort of did that with that. Well, actually, you did do that with Alabama and Auburn when it was held at Legion Field, and it's since moved to a home-and-home where – Obviously, Auburn fans are going to dominate at Jordan-Hare, and Bama fans are going to dominate at Bryant-Denny. But I have no problem telling you that the crown jewel of all rivalries in college football right now is OU Texas. And if you could move it to 2.30, because the other thing I hate about the 11 o'clock time slot is that it feels like at 11 o'clock, like when you stay home, all right, if you don't actually go to the game, You get up early enough to watch college game day. 11 o'clock, it feels like you're still getting around. It feels like you're still prepping for the day. And they're asking you to break out of your routine. So that means that a lot of people that want to watch this game probably don't watch this game. So thank you. Thank you, Chris Delcani, for doing that. Speaking of OU going into the SEC, I may have touched on this last week, but if I didn't, I'm sorry. USA Today tried to break down the three opponents that every Southeastern Conference school would have annually on their schedule. Because the way it seems like the schedule is going to get set up is it's going to be a 3-6-6 model, which means you'll play three opponents every year, you'll play six more SEC opponents for a two-year period, then rotate to another six for another two-year period. And that's seems to be the easiest way to break things out. So it's not a pod system. It's just that you'll have three permanent teams on your schedule. And what we find out is that nobody really knows what to do with Oklahoma's three games. You know that they have to play Texas. You also know that Texas has to play A&M. Aside from that, does OU play Missouri, which USA Today suggested that they do? Okay, so... You've got Texas, who's been your longtime rivalry, both in and out of conference. And then you've got Missouri, which is an old Big 8 school. Big 12, for those of you that don't remember the Big 8. So you could play them, but then what do you do with that third? Arkansas doesn't want any part of OU. They want some sort of combination of Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, if they can get it, which is insane because Arkansas is never going to be better than LSU. You might beat them once every four or five years, but that does not make a rivalry. They want to get rid of the Missouri rivalry because they feel it was an insult to make them play Missouri in the first place. Go figure whatever with Arkansas fans. As as somebody that, that grew up watching OU play Missouri regularly, I wouldn't mind rekindling that. Like That wouldn't bother me at all. There's something nostalgic about it. Missouri's not as good as they were in the Big 8, Big 12 days, but still there's there's something familiar. Now, if you're old enough, you've probably been to Columbia. That may not excite you all that much, but it's still, but it's still something. 
So you have that. And the third opponent that USA Today put on there was Mississippi State. Okay, odd, odd fit. There's really no connection there. Uh, Don't know how excited you would be about going to Starkville every other season, but it fills out the schedule. And your problem that that, that you're running into with Oklahoma is that A&M doesn't necessarily want to play OU every year. They want Texas. They want LSU. They want Mississippi State. Um, And I'm sure Mississippi State would love A&M and Ole Miss. Their third option doesn't leave them much. So unless you want to figure a way to tie into either Alabama, Georgia, Florida, or Auburn every year, the Texas, Missouri, Mississippi State doesn't seem all that bad. It's just awkward. And it shows you that even though OU has its own history and its own pride, it's still foreign to the Southeastern Conference. And it's still a little bit of an odd fit. And it's going to take a while to kind of assimilate for not just OU, but for everyone else. Coming up next, I'll tell you why I hope Jackson Arnold sparks a recruiting revolution in Norman. Thank you for sticking with the Sooner Schooner Show. I'm Eric G. If you read Ryan Aber's article in the Oklahoman this past week, um, first of all, hats off to OU for making all the brand new recruits, or actually it's not all the brand new recruits, all the brand new signees available um, this this past week, giving us an opportunity to know them. And I get it. Britt Venable's very smart for doing that because you want to give these kids an opportunity to get themselves, their names, their personalities out there. So hopefully it sparks some NIL deals. Um, But it also gives us a chance to figure out who these guys are and whether or not we want to root for them simply because they wear an interlocking OU on their helmet. Now, you'll probably root for them no matter who they are or what kind of personality they have. I, on the other hand, need to kind of know these guys. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he a guy that I want to root for? Is he simply just a guy wearing the uniform of my favorite team? And already Jackson Arnold has made himself one of my favorite players in the history of Oklahoma. Okay, I over-exaggerate a bit, but he's got a refreshing attitude because in the article, he says that he does not mind playing behind Dylan Gabriel because it's not tough. He did it at Denton Geyer when actually he played behind Eli, uh, I think it's Eli Stowers, who's now at New Mexico State, signed at A&M, now went to New Mexico, you know, and now at New Mexico State. He had to wait. Now his freshman year, all right, we, we got to, Tell you this, his freshman year, Jackson Arnold did get the opportunity to play in a state championship game when a, when a guy went down, but did have to sit behind Stowers his, his sophomore year. So he understands what it's like to not have the entire world center around him. That's a good thing. And when I hear somebody say, the hardest thing about practice is you get bored because it's not you. You're not the focus. It's tough, but it's also not tough. He said it's not tough in the in, in the same article and that he's going to do his best to help Dylan get better. I'm good with that. The red flag to me is if Jackson Arnold would have said, I'm here to compete. Now, that sounds good, but lately what that means, that is code. That is code for I believe I should be starting. And nowadays, especially when a quarterback doesn't get the opportunity to start, they go jump in the transfer portal. 
Don't think that we'll see Jackson Arnold do that. If he gets the opportunity to play in four games in redshirt, great. But I don't think we're going to see him leave OU just because he doesn't get the opportunity over these next few months. And I hope that he starts a recruiting revolution at OU and that more kids take on this attitude. I would actually hope that 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 attitude would spread throughout college football because you've made it too easy for kids to leave. And I understand when there's a bad situation for both player and for both coach, it is time to move on. But not every situation is bad. Sometimes it's just tough. And you've got to learn how to stick things out. And that's not what we're teaching our college football players. It's not what we're teaching our high school football players. We're teaching them that, hey, if you don't like it where you're at, just pick up and leave. And sometimes you've got to go through hell in order to get that payoff that you need. Sometimes it's tougher than you expected it. So Hard work always pays off, but you may not get the results that you want. That's the cliche. But something good will always come of it. And you would just want more guys to take on the Jackson Arnold attitude versus the, if I don't get my way, I'm out of here. We'll watch and we'll see with Jackson Arnold because kids can change. And for me to sit here and tell you it's a definite that he's going to be here three years and go to the NFL or he's going to be here two years, four years, whatever, I'd be lying. I mean, because you can change on a dime when you're that young for whatever reason. But it was just nice to hear this and nice not to get the vibe that a kid, hey, he wants to play, and if he doesn't play, you know, he's out. Now, no, he's got a lot of a lot of guys in that in that quarterback room, but I don't think um, this is a guy that has to worry about being behind General Booty or Davis Bevel for too long. He's too talented, too highly coveted, and he's going to get every opportunity to succeed. And if not ending up the starter this year, certainly next year, I would think that Jackson Arnold is there. State of OU hoops, it's not good. Uh, Bijan Cortez leaves. Heard a lot of people comment on that. Don't, don't automatically jump to conclusions and blame Porter Moser. Don't even blame playing time on this. Um, I, I, there are roads I could go down, but it would be very irresponsible because I would tell you the first thing that came to my mind when he said, when I, when I read the tweet and Cortez said, I'm taking time away for personal reasons. I automatically thought of Alex Sabrinas at the Thunder and him dealing with mental health issues, but that may not even be it. The guy just may just need a little time away from OU hoops. Uh, in fact, as far as we know, he hadn't even left the program. So if I said he's leaving, I misspoke on that. I don't think he's left the program. He's just taking time away. It's a leave of absence. Now, generally, that sits up for you leaving the program, but why he left is not something we know at this time and to jump to conclusions would be unfair to him, and it would be unfair to Porter Moser. And here's the thing I'll say about Porter Moser. You may not be happy with OU basketball, but thank God it's not Alabama basketball. Sure, Bama's having a great year. But when you have got three kids that were involved in the taking of a life of a 23-year-old mother, that is not a good thing at all, allegedly. You've got this situation where... um Darius Miles allegedly pulled the trigger and shot and killed a 23-year-old woman. He was allegedly shooting at her boyfriend, uh, but shot and killed her in, in, in the process. 
So he and one of his friends are going to trial in Alabama. Then you've got Brandon Miller, who Miles texted to have him bring his gun to the area in Tuscaloosa that everyone was hanging out. Miller was hanging out with them to begin to begin the night, left and went home, got a text to bring me a gun from, from Miles, brought the gun, told him that there was one in the chamber, and now you kind of know the rest of the story, to coin a phrase from Paul Harvey. And then you've got a third guy on the team that was, that was there as well. Miller's not been charged with anything. He's not going to be he's not going to be charged with anything. Nate Oates continues to screw things up when he's asked questions. And quite frankly, Nate Oates looks really bad right now because the minute he knew, and, and don't tell me no one in the basketball program knew that Brandon Miller and this other guy weren't involved. You knew. You dismiss Brandon Miller from the team. You dismiss the other guy. You tell them this is not something that's acceptable at Alabama, and you take your chances. Nate Oates would have been a hell of a lot better off if he said, hey, I want to win an NCAA championship. Brandon Miller gives me the best option. So I don't care what any of you think. Whether he handed the guy the gun or not, we're just going to roll. I'm glad OU basketball isn't that bad off because I don't want to I don't want to see a guy like Porter Moser sell his soul to win. I already feel like Bob Stoops did that with Joe Mixon, and that is the worst thing that Bob Stoops ever did in his career. David Borden certainly sold his soul at that time because the defense of uh, of something as indefensible as what Joe Mixon did was sickening, and I had no problem saying that. It was, it was sickening to me that OU fans were defending him because winning became more important than human decency. Human decency always has to take precedence over winning no matter what no, no matter what you're thinking no matter even though you're paid to win games like Nate o, Nate's o, Nate Oates is you've got to be a better human it's not worth it and Alabama as of right now has not fired him not only do they need to fire Nate Oates but they need to suspend the, the program for the rest of the season do a thorough investigation, figure out who knew what, clean house with the coaching staff if they knew, clean house with the players if they knew, and hit the reset button. That's the right thing to do. Will they do it? My guess is that Alabama will continue to play. And honestly, I'd rather deal with an OU team not going to the NCAA tournament than have to deal with something like this and be ashamed of that piece of paper that hangs on my wall. That wraps up this week's show. Uh, appreciate you listening. And uh, don't forget, give us five stars. Please give us five stars. Write a review. Let us know what I could be doing better. And um, subscribe. Would really love it if you subscribe. Thank you very much for listening. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase Don Cornelius, love, peace, and boomer sooner.